You can have a seat. And good morning to Fairfax. Good morning to everyone to Fairfax Church. We're so glad to see you. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Kyle, one of the pastors on staff. And hello to everyone watching us online this morning. We're glad that you can join us as well. Um, we're just excited to be able to worship together this morning and um, got a couple of announcements that we want you to know about, things that are happening um, in the life of the church. So um, watch this video from Josue and then we'll jump right into the message. Hey church, so just a few quick announcements for you. Whether you're new here or you've been to the church for a long time, we want to help you get engaged and stay engaged. And whether that means joining a community group or serving on a team, we want to help. So please uh, click one of the links above if you're online. And if you're here in person, please visit our welcome table out in the lobby. Church, we know that many of us in our community have been walking through some loss this season. And our team has created two new grief to peace groups. The first one is an eight-week class that starts on May 13th, and the other one is an ongoing monthly group. So if you or anyone you know is interested, please get more information on our website. Finally, we're really excited for our global 5K coming up on June 5th at Okoquan Park. We are supporting Villages of Hope, our global partners in Zambia, and so if you haven't signed up yet to run, please visit our website to find out more information. All right, that's all I have for you today. We've got an awesome message coming up. God bless Fairfax. See you next time. Hey, as we get started this morning, will you join me in just uh, saying happy Mother's Day to all of the moms that are here this morning um, and to all of the moms who are watching and to all of our moms um, all around the, uh, the country, the world. Um, I'd just like to say hello to my mom in case you happen to be watching um, let's talk, Mom. Uh, no, just, um, it is, uh, it's kind of nice, though, right, to be able to connect with your mom that way. I don't know, have any idea whether she even knows the technology. So um, maybe she's watching. Mom, if you're watching, I love you. Um, so uh, this morning, I thought that since it's Mother's Day, I would do a favor for all the moms. You see I have a little easel up here and a canvas. I'm going to paint a portrait of every single mom that's here. All right, so moms, if you'll start lining up. No, we're not doing that. Um, that would take a little bit too long. But I did bring this up for a reason this morning. I think and I hope that it's going to help us to understand um, the verses that we're going to spend the morning in, um, in the book of Acts, chapter 10. If you are a person that likes to read along, go ahead and grab one of those Bibles that's right near your seat. Um, we're going to read through Acts, chapter 10, starting at verse 9. If you want, you, it's also going to be on the screen, but if you like to do that, just want to give you a heads up that we're going to get there, all right? Here's what I want you to think about for a second, okay? I've got a little brush here and um, some, some Fairfax blue paint, okay? And um, I want you to think about this for a second, all right? Um, I'm going to put this line on this canvas. I want you to think about and consider this line to be everything that you know about Jesus. This line represents everything that you've learned about the Scripture. It represents all of the experience that you, experiences that you've had as you've walked along your walk in your faith. It represents all of those things. This is what you know so far. That's what that line represents. And here's the thing. As we, as we live our lives, we tend to, um, to draw these kinds of lines or to put these markers out as ways for us to make sense 
of our relationship with God and to make sense of, of the scripture and our place in that, right? We, 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 we draw these lines and we have these markers of ways of knowing, and that's a good thing, right? But often, or at least from time to time, God shows us something different, right? He reveals something to us that's new, or we, we read the scripture that we've read a hundred times, and on the 101 reading of that scripture, something new comes to us, and we grow, and we understand something more about who God is. But when those times come along, we have this moment of truth, right? There's this moment of truth where we go, you know what? I don't know. I'm more comfortable staying with the line that I've drawn. I'm more comfortable staying in this spot. Or, or we can grow, right? We can consider that Jesus wants to make our understanding a little deeper, you know, a little more brilliant. It's a little bit deeper now than it was before, and he wants to show us something more. Or sometimes it's not even just deeper. He wants to expand it, right, to where it's bigger. So what we thought we knew, what we thought we understood, what we thought we could be in Christ goes from something that's smaller, a line that we've drawn, a marker that we've set, to something that's much bigger and broader. He expands it for us. And there comes that moment when we have to decide whether we're going to allow ourselves to go into that and to, to be that. The problem is this age-old idea that we all probably wrestle with from time to time, it's really easy to stay in your comfort zone, right? It's really easy to go, well, I know what I know, and that seems like a pretty safe place. That seems like a pretty righteous place. That seems like the place to be for me. And so we just, we just kind of stay there, unwilling to move or to budge forward. But here's the thing. We all need to be challenged. And we're in this series that we're calling Witness, where we're looking at the book of Acts. And all through the book of Acts, okay, the overarching theme of the book is God's plan to take this little Jewish sect of folks and transform them, okay, into this inclusive, multicultural movement that doesn't know any boundaries, it's an uncompromising witness that God has called them to and calls us to. I was reading this the other day. I thought this was a really neat way to put it. It said that, um, that, that we are supposed to be part, and that we're still part today, of a movement that's putting the world back together. You know, if, if the church is a movement and not just a static idea, it's different, right? If the church isn't just what we thought we knew yesterday, if the church isn't just an idea that has been ingrained in us for a really long time, but if the church is a movement that's growing and moving and forcing us and calling us to change and to go along with it, that changes things. It's, it's a force and a movement that's putting the world back together in the way that God originally wanted it to be. And in the book of Acts, starting in um, Acts 10, starting at verse 9, we're going to look at how God took Peter's life and shook him up and said, Peter, I want you to be part of this movement. I want you to learn something new, okay? Now, Peter, quickly, if you've forgotten who Peter was or you just don't know much about him, Peter um, was one of Jesus' closest followers, okay? Um, 
Jesus called him the rock, okay? And as Peter lived his life and as he became um, a follower of Jesus and as he knew him, he got these glimpses that God was going to begin to expand his ministry a little bit, okay? Um, he was around when, 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 God, when Jesus did some different things, okay? He was there when Jesus said these words. Jesus said, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. And Peter had these very ingrained ideas about what the Sabbath was. And so for that to be shaken up, made it difficult for him to wonder what he was going to have to do next. Okay, it was kind of a shakeup for him, all right? Also, also, um, Jesus was all the time being challenged by the religious leaders of the day. There was one situation when Peter was there when religious leaders chastised Jesus about not washing his hands before eating. And Peter saw that and saw Jesus move out of this custom and norm and idea that he had ingrained in him. And he saw Jesus hanging out with people that Peter was told not to hang out with. Custom and tradition told him not to do that. And he saw Jesus doing the opposite. And so, so all along the way, Jesus was sort of priming Peter for this idea of, hey, Peter, I know you've got this line, but I am going to expand what is true. I am going to show you something different, and I need you to go along with me beyond where you have been. And so, um, in Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 9, we read this story where he puts this plan into motion. Read along with me. It says this, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Let me stop there for one second. Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman centurion, all right, a very important person in, um, in the Roman system, all right, very powerful. But we find out that Cornelius loved God and was called righteous and prayed to God and was respected by many Jews for his love for God. Verse 18, they called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, Three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men 
into the house to be his guests. Then we're going to jump down to verse 28 when he actually gets there to the house. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Now, the amazing and important thing to understand is God shows Peter this thing, right? And inside of what he tells him is this. He's like, Peter, um, God's, God is expanding <laughs> God is grafting in to salvation. God is grafting into into him the Gentiles, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. He's grafting them in. And I need you to understand that and accept that. Now understand, Peter says it right there. He's like, you know, it's, it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile. So God is asking him to really expand beyond what he thought he knew, what he thought he was supposed to do. He was really stretching him, okay? And Peter, Peter was a guy who was kind of okay with that, but didn't really do it well all the time, all right? Um, You know, Jesus had this 12 disciples, this inner circle, but inside of the inner circle, there were a few, just three, Peter, James, and John, okay? And Peter was a passionate one, okay? He, he would say, God, I will, I will never deny you. And then he denied him, right? Peter had changed a lot, but he hadn't changed all the way. See, when God found and got a hold of Peter, Peter was this cussing sailor. That's who he was, right? And he began to transform his life. And at times, as God would ask him to stretch, Peter would say the same thing over and over, basically, that we see in these previous verses. Not so, Lord. <laughs> Lord, you've forgotten who you are. Let me remind you. Not so, Lord. In my studies this week, I came across an outline of some of these ideas and some of these things that Peter said. Maybe you'll remember a few. There was this time when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he was telling them, um, on our, we're going to Jerusalem, and there I will suffer many things, and I must be killed. And Peter literally took Jesus aside as this is happening. He goes, Jesus, don't say those things. Don't say that. That's, don't say that in front of them, all right? And he said, never will that happen while I'm around. Never, Lord. I will not let that happen, okay? And then in the book of Luke, um, we're told that Peter turns away from Jesus um, and, 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 and he says to Jesus, he says, um, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. But we know later on that he backs away from that, right? And on the evening of the Last Supper, you remember, remember those verses where Jesus is washing his disciples' feet and he comes to Peter and Peter looks at the Lord and he says, you shall never wash my feet. I won't let that happen. You need to, wait, you're the Lord. You don't wash my feet. I wash your feet. And so Peter had this this pattern of saying, not so, Lord, not so. Author Fred Smith, who writes about this idea, he says that Peter had his own ideas about what was appropriate and right, had his own well-formed beliefs 
about the deepest principle and values that he thought God should hold. He goes on to say that Jonah had similar strong beliefs about what God should be. Another example he gives is the prodigal son, right? The brother of the prodigal son had a sense of justice that was beyond the sense of justice of the father. Moses and Abraham and David and Jeremiah, they all at times argued with God on the basis of his honor and reputation being protected. They wanted to protect him from himself at times and teach him some basics about being God. God, don't you understand who you are? I need to uphold who you are. While God was saying to them, I'm this, not that. Expand to this. Don't stay narrow on that. But also, Peter was the most faithful person, flawed, struggled to understand, struggled to do what God wanted him to do, but was the most faithful person. He lived out of the power of Christ. He was a changed man. He knew the power of Christ. But there were some things he was hanging on to that he couldn't let go of. I want you to think about this for a second. Could you be the same? Could I be the same? Are there some things that we've narrowly defined that we're hanging on to that, that God seems to be pushing us past a deeper understanding, a different behavior, a different thought pattern, a different way of speaking about this or that, that we're sort of not ready for. We feel like we have to stay back at something else. Here's the thing. God looks at us, and he looked at Peter, and he said, I understand where you are, and I understand what you've learned. I understand what you've taken in and what's happening with you, but I'm not going to leave you there. I can't leave you there. I need you to go along with me to understand more and do it more deeply. So God decided to speak to Peter because he didn't want to leave him there, and he knew that his, his ministry would be limited if he stayed somewhere less than this. And he said that, Peter, you'll just be less than what you can be. You won't uncover the things that I want you to uncover and be what I want you to be. So Peter is on this journey with us as we live our lives and as we are taught by God and as he challenges some of the notions and ideas and things that we have to push us into a different and healthier spot. God shows Peter this really crazy vision, something that goes way beyond his comfort zone. And Peter looks at that and he says, not so, Lord. That's not where I want to go. And I want to break it down just a little bit more because I think it's helpful. What if, what if God had said to Peter, Peter, I'm showing you this different vision of what I want you to be, okay? And I'm expanding what I want you to be. And Peter says, okay, you know what, God? Um, I'll look at it. I'll look at this weird thing that you're showing me and try to understand it. I'll look at it. And then you say, you see, you said, you said, get up, kill it, and eat it. He goes, okay, God, I'll get up and I'll attack it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. It's like, you know, I'm ready to jump into what you want me to do. I'll jump in there and do it. I'm ready. 
So he gets up and he, and he jumps into what God wants him to do. But he goes, God, that third thing, that, that last part where, you know, eat it, where, where literally I, I, I consume it and, and make it part of who I am, make it part of my everyday life, make it part of what I think, make it part of everything that comes out of my mouth, make it part of the being that I am in you. No way. <laughs> like, I'll go so far, but I'm not going to make it part of my everyday walk with Jesus. I'll see it. You know, I'll attack it. I'll get up and I'll, I'll look at it and go at it. But when it comes to that final part, you're going to have to count me out. Peter says, King of kings, no way. Lord of lords, it's not happening. Savior of the world, forget it. Maker of heaven and earth, you're tripping. I'm not doing that because that's not what you should call me to. That's not what it is. In other words, Lord, I know what you're challenging me to do, but I don't want to do that. I know you're pushing me out of my comfort zone, but I am way too afraid to move into that. All the time, God is calling us to embrace some things that will challenge us to leave the comfort zone. There are times when God makes us turn inside out. Why? He's not a safe God. He is not safe. You know, sometimes we look to God for this comfort, and yes, it's there, but he's not safe because he's going to push us into more and more that's going to rub hard against the norms of this world. It's going to scrape against what so many people are thinking and living and doing. It's going to rub up against that. And when we embrace that, we're going to feel that too. And he's going to push us into those areas. Everything in us sometimes reacts against this change because we've been trained over time to know how to please God and what displeases him. And we've been trained to sort of know how to live within our boundaries of who we are without it being too challenging, but also not too easy. We're sort of in the middle and not moving forward. And so we resist. You know, we resist kind of like Peter was resisting. We resist. We resist for a couple of reasons. One, I think, is because, because of the customs and, and the traditions. You know, we, we, we kind of like a no-surprise God. We, we like having some real consistent things about God, predictable and a reasonable God. Religion that comforts us and explains everything. And our identity feels really secure in that. Everything is settled in Scripture if it's static. But if it's a movement, if it's a living, breathing faith, a living, breathing Scripture, then it's never settled. It's moving us into more deeper understanding. Another reason resist, we resist is it's really costly to change. There's this moment in Acts where all this has gone down, right? Peter sees this weird vision. He understands that, that, that God is for the Gentiles. They've been grafted in. That some of these, um, these rules that, that, are, that are not scriptural but sort of there and happening in the community are not important. 
and he starts to live a different way. He does exactly what God asked him to do, and he's, he's connecting to all these different people, and he's entering into these homes that he never entered into before, and he's doing all this wonderful work. It's amazing. And then some old friends come to town who were just like him before and lived differently. And when he saw them, he literally stopped doing the things he was doing. He didn't want to have to rub up against that and, and maybe be seen in a less favorable light from those people or, or, or be even worse, accused of something that they saw as extra-religious or out of the bounds of what God would have them do. And so he stopped doing it. But one of the people that he was working with came up to him and basically said, Peter, either you saw the vision and you owned it and God gave it to you, or he didn't. Which one is it? <laughs> Which one is it? You can't, you can't just go back and forth. You gotta continue and live in that. But it was difficult. It was difficult for him to do it. In the 1800s, there's a famous preacher. His name is Charles Spurgeon. Some of you have read him. He talked about this idea, and his words from that far back to now are amazing. I want you to hear them. It brings, it crystallizes some of this so well. Here's what he said. Listen to this. There are many who say, not so, Lord. Every morning when they wake up and say, Gloria as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be, world without end. We'll just do the same old thing. To those I would say, shake yourself up a little, my brother. If you are too precise, may the Lord set you on fire. <laughs> We're going to come back and talk about that in a minute. May the Lord set you on fire and consume your bonds of red tape. If you have become so improperly proper that you cannot commit a proper impropriety, then pray God to help you be less proper. Where Jesus has made no rule, we are not to make any. Where we are to receive all whom Christ receives, none are unclean whom he has cleansed. None are to be set aside if he admits them to his love. Yet this lesson is not, seen, is not soon learned by sticklers for propriety. They question any man's salvation who follows not with them, when bid to commune with them, they start aside with Peter's cry in their hearts, if not on their lips. Not so, Lord. Peter was this person like us, trying to, trying to follow Jesus the best that he could. And Jesus threw some things in front of him to get him to grow and to move forward. God comes along and says, Peter, yes, this, but also this. And Peter says, but Lord, I've enjoyed hanging around the same people that I've always hung around and talking the same talk that I've always talked and doing the same stuff. And God says, nope, not that way anymore. This is what I have for you. Many of us say, not so, Lord. I hear what you're saying, Lord, but... I don't know, I'm, I want to stay back here. And so the question we have to ask, though, is if, if we want to follow him, if, if there is still more for us to learn, if you agree that God has more to show you and to teach you and to shape you 
in a different way so that your understanding of him and the way that you interact with the world and the way that your faith pours out of you is bigger and bolder and better and, and more reflects him. If you agree with that, then the question that has to be asked is, how do we know? How do we know that he's speaking to us? What's the, what's the proof? You know, How do I know that I should expand or stay? And it's an important and good question. And thankfully, God is not silent on this at all. There's a couple of ways that we can know. Okay, first, Peter had this faith that he worked at. Okay, Peter, Peter wasn't just sort of like, hey, as I go along my life and as I run into somebody religious or as I happen to show up at the church or whatever, I'll take that in and move on. Maybe it'll become part of me, maybe it won't. Peter wasn't that way. He actively worked. He was all in. He wanted to know. He was working it out. He worked it out clumsily a lot of times. You know, he made a lot of mistakes. He did some crazy things, and it was awkward. But he was all in, and he worked it out. And so he was, he was this person who, who was, was looking for God's voice and wanting to hear what he had to say. And so when God spoke to him, even though it was something he didn't want to hear and it was weird, he wasn't surprised that God was speaking to him because he was actively seeking that out. And we can be the same. If we are engaged and we're, we're looking for ways to hear God's voice and we want to we wanna be changed and we want to be developed by him and we want to be... Um, moved off the spot that we're at, if we're seeking that out, then don't be surprised when he meets you there. That's a confirmation. When he comes along and says, okay, you asked, here it is. <laughs> here it is. And we should be joyous about that. He made a habit of being close to God and expecting him to speak to him. Another way to know, there's these two visions in this story. Remember that God gives Cornelius this vision. Hey, go find Peter. Welcome him into your house. You need to hear what he has to say. And then he gives Peter this vision. Hey, um, I need to expand who you think I am and who you need to accept. And there's these coming together, these two visions, and they get together and they talk about it. Now, some of you in your families or in your marriage or in a close relationship with someone or maybe in one of our small groups that you're a part of, You've probably had this moment, and if you haven't, you're going to. It's where you're, you're in your group or you're talking to someone, and, and God's been working on you about something. There's something that he's been wanting to work on you and change about you, and finally you get to that moment where, where you feel safe enough or ready to, to talk about it, and you say it, right? You say it in that space. And when you say it, it, it like it releases what everyone else was thinking and feeling. The Spirit of God shows up in that moment. And there's confirmation in that place of what God has prompted you to be and say and do. And, and everyone sort of, you just sort of feel it. And it's like this magic, amazing, spiritual moment where you're like, wow, God, God put that in place, no doubt about it. You know, the Holy Spirit showed up in that moment. And if you look if you go a little bit deeper into Acts 10, you find out that after Peter um, makes his way over to Cornelius' house and they're having this big conversation, here's what Peter says. He goes, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. 
So there's all these ways to be, to know and be confirmed that God is moving in you to expand who you are and what you understand and how he wants you to live. And, and we don't have to be afraid of that, okay? God, God will never stop teaching and stretching us. He's always, he's always adding to what we know if we're willing to, willing to be part of it and willing to be part of this idea of putting the world back together. Remember a while ago in that quote from Charles Spurgeon, I said I wanted to come back for a second and talk about this phrase where, where he, Spurgeon said this, he goes, may the Lord set you on fire. Okay, now when you first hear that, you're kind of like, oh, all right, what does that mean? Okay, what does that mean? Okay, here's the thing. Um, and this is where we're gonna finish our time today. At first, maybe it doesn't sound pleasant. But when you look at what Scripture says about being set on fire and being refined by the fire, it talks about these ideas of how God does that, okay? There's a, there's a community of, of songwriting worshipers, and their, their name is called Maverick City. Um, some of you listen to them. If you haven't listened to them, um, I encourage you to, to go listen to that this afternoon. And there's one particular song that they do called Refiner, okay? And I was, I've listened to it a dozen times this week, I think, or more. It's very long, but it's amazing because it talks about this idea. And it starts out by just naming who God is. It says, God, it says, God you're a fire, a refiner. God, you're a fire, you're a refiner. And then it moves into um, what it is our response to that should be. And the response is this. I want to be consumed, tried by fire, and purified. God, you're a fire, the refiner. And our response is, I want to be consumed, tried by fire, and purified. And as you listen longer and you get more deep into this song, you find out that they're, they're singing scripture and they're talking about um, the need to be in the position where we're saying to God, you know, take whatever you desire. Here's my life. Take whatever you see in me that needs to be refined, that needs to be shaped and molded, heated up and brought back into the right spot, refined by fire, molded into the shape that you would have it be in. And, and do that. I welcome it, God. And then it goes even further. It doesn't just stop there. It talks about what are the results if we're willing to be refined by the fire and purified. It says the results are that God burns us beautiful and God burns us lovely and God burns us righteous and God burns us holy. God burns us holy. Every time that I come across scripture where it talks about God is holy, so be holy, I, I always feel inadequate. <laughs> I always feel challenged. Maybe that's good. But it draws me into him wanting that more and, and being willing to say, okay, God, You're the fire, you're the refiner. <laughs> Take my life. <laughs> Take what I am and change that so that I'm more of what you would have me be. P 
Peter, in another book, writes this. He says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Peter, who experienced this expansion of what God wanted to do in the world and was challenged personally to be more, spoke back to us, be holy. Allow God to refine you. Be a person that seeks holiness. Here's the thing. God has made a way for us. He, he's, he's chosen us as his children, and he's calling us to be his children and find the freedom that exists in that to allow him to shape and change and move us forward, following him more and more obediently every single day. I want to pray for us, um, and we're going to worship a little bit more this morning. So will you pray with me this morning? Lord, this morning, here we are. Lord, we all come into this place with different things happening in our hearts. And we know that you're a God that won't leave us in the same spot. You're a God that wants us and needs us and desires for us to move forward in you. So, Lord, I pray that wherever we're at this morning, whatever challenge you may be giving us personally, that we would, we would say, God, you're the fire, you're the refiner, here I am. Take me and shape me, show me something new. It's bold, sometimes scary territory, but God, push us into that so that we can be more for you individually and as a collective community, as Fairfax Church, as this expression of your kingdom in the world as we seek to bring about what you had in mind. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We reflect on these things and we lift them all up in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you stand as we continue to worship this morning?